Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. <clears throat> You're listening to the Sans Pants Network. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Being Hot is Hard. I'm Cass and I'm hot. And I'm Zoe B and I'm hard. And this week we are joined by a dietitian, nutritionist, best-selling author and the host of No Wellness Wankery, the nude nutritionist, Lindy Cohen. The future's my face, the future's my face, the future, the future, the future's my face. Oh hey, thanks for having me. Woo! Thank you so thanks much for coming for on the pod. Pleasure guys, anytime, anytime. Well, let's dive right into it. Lindy, what is something that always makes you feel hot? Uh, okay, so I have this podcast that I vibe with. It's a body confidence playlist. I pop it on and I could be doing the laundry or I could be going for a mental health walk, but I kind of always come back after listening to this playlist and I, I'm into myself and, and I, it's the pep that I need in my step. I love it. And I think I've been listening to it for years. I'm building to it every time I hear a good jam. It's all about the beat. It's got to be right, but it's also got to be empowering and remind me not to give a shit about how other people think I look and and oh. I like myself, and that that makes me feel hot. Oh, I love That's that! Lovely. Can we can we hear like what what's your go to jam? What's one of the ones you love? Oh, I mean Jax's um, Victoria's Secret is on there at the moment. I am woman. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so all the the anthems that you need to remind you of the um, is it just Lizzo after Lizzo after Lizzo? She makes an appearance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not excluded. She. <laughs> She, she made the way. cut. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to change our, our self-love if Lizzo wasn't included. We were like, fuck, we've been doing it wrong. <laughs> is uh, the playlist public or is it a private it is. one for you? Yeah, <gasps> so you can, go, you can go search on um, Spotify. It's called Body Confidence Playlist. I think that is what it's called. I will link it so you, I can give it to you so you can pop in the show notes. You can go it will be right in the show notes. Oh, We've got, we'll have little notes at the bottom. Everyone's got their little socials link. It'll put, I'll put it under hot playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's such a fun way to do it because I think there's there's something about it. Like I love I love a good book. I love a good secret book in the bedroom when like no one's like you know dance like nobody's watching. But like book in the bedroom, best mm-hmm. feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. One time I was having a real good boogie, but like not just like vibing myself. Like I was doing theatrical improvisation, like jazz hands, and my yes. brother's yes. Hot, hot friend walked in on me, and I would have been about <laughs> fifteen and um. <gasps> It was a beautiful moment. It was not a beautiful moment. It was a very embarrassing <laughs> that I have held on to me and cry about at night. No, I okay, I know that we sort of know in general that like movement's really good. Any movement's good movement. It's all like really positive. I think when you make your movements big, like your arms are above your head or you're like bending down lots, mm. it really feels different. Like any movement is good movement, that's true. But I oh my God, if I'm having not a great time. I love to go for a stomp. If I'm a bit stressed, yeah. just putting my arms in the air and doing little hand movements. I don't know if it has to do with, you know, you just get your blood moving, you remind your body that it's a body and it can do those things. I don't know what it is about it, but just real big. I love those kinds of ones. All right. So next time I'm I would have go joined on. you at 15, I would have yeah. come in and be like, oh, we're we doing arms. <laughs> All right. Next time I'm stressed, I'm just going to lift my arms up. But but honestly, that 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 the vibe, the buzz that we get from moving our bodies is out of control. Growing up, I I thought that exercise was about punishing myself for eating. And so <laughs> I very much just like tortured myself by going for these really long, grueling kind of movements and exercises and 
you know, totally over-exercising. And mm. it took me many, many years before I was like, I actually, this whole moving your body thing is about liking yourself. And I think we have this idea that we can, you know, shame and hate ourselves into a version of ourselves that we like. We, we most absolutely cannot do any of this stuff. And since finding exercise that I enjoy, and you know, that could be like going for a cold ocean swim for me, or it's like, as I said, the mental health walks that it's just an essential in my life. Um, whatever it is, I, I, this is one thing I talk about with clients all the time, finding something that you, that you really genuinely enjoy, regardless of how many calories um, it burns or how many reps you think you're meant to be having, because that stuff is mind numbing. And I think we can start to think about movement in a much better way. I, I completely agree. I think that so much of movement is about it's that nice feeling you get just feeling your body do something and it doesn't – to give yourself the permission to move without feeling like you're working or feeling like you're breaking a sweat or feeling like you're quote-unquote exercising, just like moving around. Yes. I, that's so hard to just grab and take a hold of, just like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I, I'm a bit stressed, so I will – what one that I like to do and I recommend to others is putting your arms above your head and then just squatting a bit, not to the point of like doing a squat as in, I don't know how else to describe just bending your knees. Oh no, I've seen, I've seen Cass do it. And sometimes it's like, like, it's like watching a monkey <laughs> for a little bit. Like what, arms... Watching a monkey really try and think. Yeah. Like arms up in the air and then just like a little bit of like, just, just down about like half a foot. Yeah. But and she's I... just like, Dah. and that's, just, it's very funny to watch. It's great. And she's and having a great time. And if it works even for you. Just, even just like little things, like if I want to get out of bed, I'll always roll out of it because I think that's a bit more fun. <laughs> but taking taking the pressure of having movement be something that has to do with anything to do with exercise, yes. which is really hard to like decouple that. Not even calling it exercise. It just yeah, like, it's not. It, you, you, you've got a body. You're allowed to move around. Yeah, They'll let a, you. <laughs> dig a hole. I don't know. Climb a tree, whatever it is. I mean, you know, do it, pop a squat. <laughs> Yeah. I guess the opposite of when people are like, everything can be exercise. It's like, no, nothing has to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, I think there's so many people who don't do things like yoga because they're like, why would I go to a yin yoga class? Because I'm not going to, it's not, what, what are the real tangible health benefits? You know, if you're kind of, uh, you know, if you're an ex-dieter, you're always looking at it being like, well, how many calories did that burn? And people are like, well, I have to do a hit. I have to burn as many calories. But the benefit of yin yoga or something that's gentle, a stretch, and it's a bit more, you know, intense than, than a basic monkey squat. But yes, <laughs> even that you have so many beautiful on-flow effects from like your mood to the way that you sleep, the way you feel connected to yourself. You cannot even tangibly guess how much impact that is having on your life and, and how it can ripple through in so many different pathways. And I think what we've done that's really screwed things up is we've really reduced nutrition down to this idea of like, well, it's how much you eat and what you eat and how many calories you burn. And like it misses the whole point of being healthy and all the, the good things that we can get out of it. I think this is, you're so right because it's gone to this extreme now where and it, it's been for ages diet culture and this whole hate yourself industry and I see it with my male friends at the moment which I find really interesting I have a lot of male friends this het male dudes who are like gym bros which is like an you know an interesting group of friends to have and they're nuts and I, I keep pointing out to them and they're like they're good sports about it but I keep pointing out to them I was like if I ate like this when I was a teenager people would have been worried like if I was this obsessive with food when I was a teenage girl, because like that's the that's the period where you worry. Like people are looking for it then, and people are looking, looking for, for it, it. Then. and I'm like, this is obsessive eating, and this is like you know dysfunctional eating, and they're just like, oh no, we just we just can only eat just raw chicken, and you're like, what's going on? And like, what, farts, what have you watched? Their farts smell so bad. <laughs> just have all that high protein diet, and, and 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 you're right. There is a glorification of of disordered eating. Mm. We have gotten to the point where most health advice or most weight loss advice is actually eating disorder advice in disguise, mm. and it's very hard to differentiate. Well, where does that start? What's what's what is actually a healthy habit, and what is just like you know dieting and controlling mechanisms like portion control? What is that? Is that is that for my health, or is that because I want to weigh less? Um, it is about weighing less. It's not actually a healthy thing that we need to be doing. We don't need to be, you know, portioning out our foods or weighing out anything or counting points or macros or any of that nonsense that makes us go crazy around food. What we need to be doing simply is just tuning into our bodies, something that your gym bros 
I'm not doing it at the moment. Thus have, the smelly farts. Have you guys heard the the latest diet culture thing for men? No. What uh, is it? Instead of going on a diet, they're biohacking. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, good. Yep. Good. It's just a manly eating disorder. We're just making eating disorders masculine. You can biohack by cutting this out of your diet or putting this in because it does X, Y, Z for your body, which I think is like, look, I feel like so many of these things that end up being not great for our brains or our bodies start off as things where people are like, oh, no, I want to do better for myself. Like some of these biohacking things that I've seen of people being like, well, if you cut this out, then your brain will do this, your body will do this. It's like, so you, you want to function better, but oh my, please, 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 please. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. The, the equivalent for women at the moment is this whole obsession with hormone balancing. So you get these on, on Insta, you get people who are like, I'm a hormone yeah. balancing expert. Firstly, what the hell is that? You're an endocrinologist if you're a hormone Yeah, expert. they have a degree for that. We don't want hormones to be balanced. We want that like there is natural fluctuations in, in, in hormones. They're going to go up, they're going to be down. And, and so even just that whole phrase, it's silly, it's silly, we need to get rid of it. But, but basically they're using this idea of hormone balancing to justify all this disordered kind of advice and camouflaging it as, oh, this is wellness. But really what it is, it's just a new way to sell women the idea, and men, the idea that they are not worthy enough. We're getting down to like a real scientific level of it as well. That's like, hate your hormones. Like, <laughs> yes. Don't just hate the way you look, guys. Hate your insides. Hate your cells. <laughs> the fiber of your being. Hate that as well. We can monetize that. Yeah. Hey, your outsides and your insides, Neil. <laughs> and that's holistic wellness. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I have. I have a bunch of chronic illnesses, and for because of that, my diet is a little bit odd. Mm. And every now and then, someone will say like the way I eat, and they're just like, "Oh, that's not healthy." And I'm like, "Yeah, but guess who's not shitting herself? Like, guess guess who hasn't pooped bad today? So like, we'll be fine. Like, mine's very carb heavy, so like, whatever that fucking means. So I'll eat like three bowls of pasta and be like, "Ah, oh, I feel good," and I'll have like one bowl of salad and be like, "And I'm dying." And it's this idea that like, if I ate what you know, as someone else who was his body I wanted, if I ate exactly what they'd look like, you know, this idea, oh, I wish yeah. I'd look like them. You're not going to look like them. You're just absolutely no. not. That's just um, set and forget. So so what we've been told through nutrition is that, okay, these are the rules. These are the rule books. This is the way to eat. So we've been told things like, okay, you have to have uh, small meals and they need to be frequent to keep your metabolism going. And then we've been told, well, no, 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 you need to intermittently fast. <laughs> and you know what? Both of these concepts um, have a lot of research. It's going to be able to back them up. But fundamentally, the thing that we need to be able to answer is can you, how does this make your body feel? And can you stick to this for the rest of your life? Because if you can't stick to it for the rest of your life, then it's a diet and it's flawed. So with intermittent fasting, someone said to me, I freaking love it. It makes me feel so good. And I will do this for the next 20 years. And they did do it. I'd be like, cool, that's great. That's wellness and health for you. And so with this whole idea that there is certain diet rules that, you know, we should be sticking to is nonsense. Intuitive eating, which is this whole idea of tuning into your natural inbuilt hunger cues is is very precise actually it helps you eat within like 50 cows of energy of how much you actually need and i don't talk about calories i'm not i'm very anti-calorie counting but the reason i bring that up is it kind of throws shade to this whole idea of calorie counting which is a very inaccurate kind of way to be but if you just eat according to your hunger, you're able to eat so accurately according to your body's energy requirements that it just kind of, we can't work out how to do that anymore. Whether it's your period or, you know, the sun's shining in a certain direction, it changes how much energy you burn. So what we need to be doing is tuning out of all the silly diet noise that's telling us when to eat, what to eat, that's contradicting itself at all times. And instead tune in and be like, oh, well, you know, pasta makes you feel good. Great. Pasta makes you feel good. For other people, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, should you cut dairy out of your diet? Well, how does it make you feel? If you tolerate dairy and you love the taste and you enjoy it, why would you cut it out? It gives us a whole bunch of like lovely nutrients. So I think it, fundamentally the best health advice I can ever give you is do not subscribe to a particular expert or person. The real health expert is your body. And, and in, being intuitive means listening to our body. So if you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm exhausted. My body hurts. doesn't matter whatever plan or ambitions you had. Our main job is to start to listen to our bodies and be like, well, let's intuitively exercise. Or when it comes to our food, am I hungry? If you're hungry, eat. And if you're not that hungry, it doesn't matter if it's a meal time. You're allowed to listen to your smart body because it's it's trying to take care of you and it's constantly giving you feedback. So it's time that we start listening to our body and tune out of the Instagram wellness wankers. 
Yes. I had a moment a couple of weeks ago actually where I was, I had not been very well. I'd been a bit sick. Um, so I'd just been home alone because, you know, you don't want to go out at the moment if you're sick. It's not really kind. Uh, and I was just doing all this furniture restoration because no one was home. And I had this, I was just like, I really want pizza. I'm craving pizza. I ordered a pizza. I reckon I ate the whole thing within like 15 minutes or something. And it was, I felt like I'd eaten a star like I felt amazing <laughs> it was just like oh my god like I I had this big like really nice burst of energy I didn't feel like hyperactive or anything I was like oh my god this is like this feels like fuel like I put the petrol in myself and I've done such a good job and I was like this is what they mean when they say intuitive eating like I knew what I wanted and I ate it and I didn't feel good or bad about it because it's petrol's neutral mm. I, I don't know it just and then I felt amazing and now I'm trying to I'm trying to get better at intuitive eating because it's it's tricky because sometimes I just get, well, I'll just get really hungry because I'll forget to eat and then I'm not intuitive eating. I'm starving. So I'll just (laughs) shove my face and then be like, oh, I'm really full now. Hmm, Okay. Bad job. (laughs) Well, luckily intuitive eating can't just be another food rule that we have to try and like do perfectly. So you're like, (laughs) well, grace to not do it perfectly. Well, just to kind of be like, yeah, have it in the back of your mind is something you try to do a little bit more of. And and and, and it's a constant practice. It's a bit like liking your body or at least accepting your body. It's not like some destination that we arrive at. Mm. You're going to spend the rest of your life practicing eating intuitively as your body changes through different seasons of your life. You're never going to nail it. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Well, that actually is a question we wanted to ask you mm. specifically because we've had um, – Throughout this podcast, we've had a bunch of people come on and a question that has come up quite a few times is, how do you like yourself? And it never matters what anyone looks like. Everyone seems to have that question. We've had guests and say, look, when we find out, we'll tell you. <laughs> but do you have any, I don't know, tips? Because it's, oh my God, it's it's in everything we consume. It's in the food, it's in the air, it's in the water. Like this, you cannot escape having people tell you that you look wrong. So mm. what is some what are some steps to take so that you like your body? Oh, so many steps. So many steps. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am profoundly uh, proud of the fact that my biggest life accomplishment is that I like myself and it's, a, it's an active thing that I choose to do. As it, Once again, it is a practice that I'm like constantly working on and there's myriad of things that I'm constantly doing to ensure that I do that. One of them is, is accepting that um, I'm never going to totally be at a place where I constantly love my body. Like you don't need to aspire for body love. We just need to aspire to a a place where we don't always hate ourselves. And you're going to have bad body image days because as you said, we live in a world that's constantly telling us we're not thin, pretty, good, awesome enough, right? So you're going to have those days because you live in this world and you're absorbing that kind of thing. The difference is what do we do about those days? When you notice those thoughts kind of coming up, being like, I'm terrible, I'm the wrong weight, I'm the wrong size, how are we going to counteract that? A few things. One of the things I find really useful, and it sounds, oh, nah, it's not vain, but I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and see yes. what you think about <laughs> we it. We started a podcast called Being Hot is Hard. So like <laughs> vanity isn't our biggest issue here. Yeah, we love this. Continue, please. <laughs> um, Your wardrobe. So I don't understand why, but I need to buy underwear in like two sizes larger so that it doesn't dig into the side. Oh, of yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, yes. What is up with the sizing on underwear? Like, can why you Why did not- I do that? What are you doing? No, like, like, like I, I'm two sizes up than what my normal size is and I just find it outrageous. And same with bra sizes. I feel like the moment I allowed myself permission to get a chest measurement size that was two sizes, almost two sizes more than what I normally did. I didn't feel like I was like cinched into my like undergarments. And I know this sounds really basic, but when we get dressed in the morning, if it is triggering us to have a crappy body image day, if you throw on your clothes and your clothes are making inanimate objects are causing you to feel like you are not worthy enough, we need to change that. That is something that is within our control. I have above my wardrobe multiple boxes in varying different sizes for varying seasons of my life. And that is perfectly okay. You're allowed to flux. You're allowed to change it and go through different times in your life where your where your weight is going to be different. What we don't need in our life is for us to, I used to do this thing where I'd be like, well, I'm, I'll, I'm going to buy this clothing. It'd be look, it would look really good if I lost a couple of kilos and I'd buy oh. that silly piece of clothing. And I mean, this is my, in my disordered eating disorder days. Oh, no, I'm, I'm I'm cringing because I have done that. <laughs> like, I know that feeling of being like, oh, my God, I'll look so good in this. I'll buy it because I'll lose weight and then I'll fit the – like, it's clothing. It, it should fit me. I shouldn't fit it. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then I'd be like, well, if I had special underwear, if I had specific underwear that did this and they covered this, then, then I could wear this. Or if I had a slip that like somehow the perfect slip. And I'm just like, no, we have to stop buying clothes that we're hoping are going to suddenly magically all work out when all the stars align. And the other thing is when we buy clothes, okay. So I um I went out for dinner with my husband, bit of a celebratory, finished writing the book thing, and it was a nine course meal, which is you know as you do. On oh, a, the fancy, average, fancy, fancy. You know, it was it was very fancy, fancy, and I wore my fancy, fancy dress, which is like this like black, sexy dress, and I felt very hot. And I went to this. <laughs> I went to this dinner as I'm leaving the dinner. Um, and I was in the like King's Cross kind of way. And um, a, a, a man came up to me and he's like, um, well, how many months pregnant are you? And I was not, not pregnant at the time. <laughs> it, what, it, what it really revealed to me is me being like, hey, I bought this dress in the morning and I tried it on the morning while I was standing up, while I was posing in a certain way. And I was now wearing it after eating nine courses at nighttime. Naturally, as you go through the day, as you move through the day, you're going to bloat because that's how digestion works. It's a very normal, natural thing. And you will sit down in garments that you wear. So what do we need to do when we try on clothes? We need to be mindful. Okay, well, is this a nighttime outfit? Well, I should probably see how it looks like on at nighttime. Does it fit me? Because your morning you is a different body than your nighttime you. And if I sit down, how does it look? And you know when we do, when we go in grocery sh- no, grocery shopping, <laughs> clothes shopping, and we're looking at ourselves, we all do that pose thing where we're like, "Okay, well these are the best angles," and yeah. work work it. Yep. Can we also just do our like mm, the other angles, just the full like plethora of ourselves, just share that with ourselves, and then do we still like that that item? And I think yeah, we do need to make our clothes working get them working a little bit harder for us. I'm a big fan of sizing up so we feel luxurious and comfortable in the clothing that we wear. Let's not let that trigger us into a bad body image day. I think there's something so true about what you're saying because I was having a moment with my my mum the other week I dragged her strapless bra shopping the worst kind of clothes shopping in oh my opinion God. I've, I've got, got a, um swimming, swimsuit. swimsuits I was like I need to buy a strapless bra and I, I'm a big big old bitty bitch and I was like mum you need to come with me because I actually don't know what the fuck I'm doing I haven't bought a strapless bra since I was 15 so 15 years ago was the last time I bought a strapless <laughs> bra and I was like you got to come with me I don't know what I'm doing and we're in the change room and I was trying on these bras and I would sit there and I would I would like hunch forward and just do these like really insane movements in the bra and my mom was like what are you doing just stand up I was like no I need to know what it feels like when I'm doing this because I'm (laughs) leaning forward and hunching more than I'm doing any other pose during the day like and I was like, I'm going to be at this wedding. I know my drunk ass is going to be flopped forward by the end of the night. You get I was it. Like, I was like, is it comfortable in this scenario? And I was like, and when I found one that was, I was like, this is the winner. <laughs> this is the one, the one that's going to power through my insane movement. Because there is something like I'm a plus size person and there's something about it. Like, as you were saying, like size up where things like when you sit down, I, when I talk about my sizing and my weight, a lot of people assume that I'm a lot smaller than I am. And so I'm a size 20, um, like Australian size 20. And I was literally having a conversation today where someone's like, oh, these are a size 16. These will fit you. And I'm like, yeah, I'll technically be able to get them on. And like, I won't be able to move or sit. (laughs) Sitting such, breathe. Oh my God. Hadn't thought about breathing, but I was like sitting such a big one. Like I, my clothes have to be comfortable when I sit because my whole body shifts when I do carry all my weight in my tum. So if, if it can handle me sitting, then it's the right size. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we, ha- we have to start getting better clothing. I think that's essential. I also think that if you follow dickheads on social media, I feel like it used to be that you become like the people you spend the most time with like the five people you spend the most time with. Now I think it's like you become like the people you follow online. So if you're following dickheads who are really just selling you disordered information or promoting unrealistic, unattainable body ideals, I reckon pretty uninteresting, by the way. They probably have very limited headspace to be interesting because when you are so involved with what you look like, you actually just don't have that much headspace to think about bigger and greater things. You get pretty bogged down on silly details like how much you ate and whether or not it was okay and and all of that. I don't know if you've been there at that point with disordered eating or emotional eating where you really feel like you're 
the fault. You're at fault. Like it's your poor willpower or your lack of control. That's the issue. When really what it is, is it's this, this really just food obsession that takes over your brain and means you can't be an interesting person. You can't live a full life on an empty stomach is the kind of the very important saying. And the thing I'm always telling people is, you know, it's not worth giving up 95% of your life to weigh 5% less. And yet this is what we're constantly being told that we need to do, or at least we try and pretend. And so we get that, you know, the smaller size clothing so that at least we feel like it, even though it's compromising. No one, no, no one cares what size clothing you are. Literally so, no one knows aside from you. No one knows. No one cares. Can you cut it out if it makes you feel better? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a tag. But- it's it's gone well, if you cut it out. No one will know. I we have- fixed it. Oh, my God, guys, we did it. I had a big realization with the clothing tag sizes stuff when I was younger because um, I was a girl who grew up in the world, so I also had a, like a not eating phase. And I remember at one stage I was like the smaller size that you could buy in the shop and that felt great to me. And sometimes it'd be generous sizing. So sometimes I'm too small to even fit in the clothes. And then the idea of being in larger sizes was horrible. Like that was just something I would never consider. Like it was just horrible because you're right, your brain just, you just become obsessed with all of it. And at that time, yeah, all I did was bake food for other people. <laughs> like all my friends knew me for baking, which is so common, which is so common. Like if you notice uh, a young person getting really into cooking, uh, check on them. <laughs> if they start getting real into baking cupcakes, oh, check on them. Uh, but it wasn't until I was older, like oh, a decade or so later, and I went to buy clothes that fit me. And at one stage I was buying underwear and, you know, you have to size up. And at one stage I grabbed underwear and they were like, the largest size you can get in some stores. And I remember putting the underwear on and being like, oh my God, I'm not that much bigger. How is this the biggest size? How is that the difference? How was this such a big part of my life where I was so worried about being a bigger, a bigger size? I'm looking at myself being like, I'm the same person. How is that this thing that I was sure was going to be the end of the world? Nothing. And I know that there are so many people who are still struggling with that. And, you know, you don't want to be what a size is. And I was like, I if I buy this, I'm comfy and it fits. And I bought I bought these like really nice high-waisted underwear and I just wore them as bathers because they made me feel so nice. <laughs> and you gained so much of your life back. Like, yeah, you gained some weight and you and you gained oh, a whole lot of headspace <laughs> and a whole lot of freedom and happiness. And I think Do you think that's... I was at the beach when I was not happy with my body? Like however many kilos size or smaller, who gave? Who cares? Like I wasn't wearing a bikini. I was. I was only in one pieces. I'm going to ask you a question, and I, you don't have to go in this direction, but I'm. I'm keen to know. In my upcoming book, I do talk about our relationships with mums and their relationship with their bodies and and how that gets influenced to us. And just a, a little bit of an insight into how I grew up. I, I was, you know, 11 years old when I got sent to my first nutritionist dietitian for no other reason than um. The, with the aspiration of being thin. And then I got placed on this meal plan, which she assured me it wasn't a diet. It was hundred percent a diet. And I got weighed mm. in weekly as an 11 year old. And then I got different food from what the rest of the family could eat. So everyone else was having spaghetti. I would have carrot noodles well before no. they were trendy with my bolognese. I know it was, it was bad. And, 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 you know, my, my parents were really supportive of this because I think for them, they were just trying to do what they thought was best given what they'd been taught. And so they'd make comments like you've really had enough. Do you really need your second helping? Um, or those kinds of things or, or pulling your stomach. And I think, I think this is well, the reason I talk about this is because I think it's insanely common. This idea that we have been passing down disordered eating from generation to generation. And I know when I think about my mom, well, the way that she was taught around food was from her mom who was teaching her the exact same things. So she was simply teaching me what she'd been taught as a woman. And it's this way of kind of keeping us small. And I know based on the research that I looked into, going to things like Weight Watchers with a mum or aunties or grandmas is always, not always, but this has been a way that women have connected and bonded over. I know of my mum, if we were in the car, it doesn't matter if we ran dry on a certain topic, we would have weight and we would have body and we would have that kind of thing to always come back to as our safety net for connection. And so in the book, I talk so much about how to raise kids who don't have a messed up crazy relationship with food, because it's so hard when you've gone through the disorder and you're like, oh, I kind of... uh, I don't, you know, you're still trying to work on your body image. You're still trying to work on your relationship with food. And now you're raising kids. 
that gets really tricky as well. And it's like, well, how do we stop this with us so that this isn't something that the next generation is going to have to inherit like a shitty tea set that no one actually wants. <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can so see where the care factor comes in because if you are someone who has grown up in this older generation and you have had your life made, you know, hell by what you're eating and being quote unquote too big or whatever, of course you wouldn't want that for your kids. Like you just, you want to shield them from everything, but you don't know you're causing it. If you know what I mean? Like if you're like. The, the trend on TikTok at the moment is like mocking the the almond mums, <laughs> the half an almond a day mum. Like, are you really hungry? If you're hungry, you'll be hungry after a glass of fizzy water. <laughs> are you hungry? You're just bored. I didn't have an almond mum, so I don't I don't know the catchphrases. Yeah, um, I, I, my mum was also pretty pretty good. So yeah, no, my oh, lucky. all right, yeah. lucky. my my mum's an artist, um, and she focuses primarily on life life work. So life models were always at our house, um, and I was really I I we've had this conversation before me and her where I've said to her I'm like you very unintentionally formed my body image because of all these women that were walking through the house that were so different every day, and they mm. were all muses. So, you know, having this 13-year-old me and just, you know, women who had, you know, my mom always wanted like really weird, finger quote, body shapes to draw. So you'd have this really diverse plethora of women coming through the door and my mom was like, they're all my muses. And I was like, every one of them is beautiful because they are art. Mm. And you are allowed to exist. You're allowed yeah. to exist however your body turned up. And that is, I would say, you makes you the exception to the rule rather oh, yeah. than the rule because when I speak to women and I speak to women and people about food and their relationship with body all the time, the thing they keep coming back to is, is you have um, a food police in your life, whether it's a parent it's who's, who's making these comments, who's creating a sense of shame around food. So when you what we end up getting is we get kids who are hiding food from a really early age who are grabbing food from the pantry and then squirreling it away and eating it so no one can see, hiding the wrappers or trying to pretend that it wasn't them. And it happens, it happens younger, it's happening younger and younger. And part of it is because we're creating this shame environment around food at a really early age where we're applying, well, if you don't eat that much, you're good. And if you eat uh, chocolate, if you do, you're only allowed this much. And what we need to kind of try and realize is that when we allow kids or anyone in our life to get to the point where they eat as their body needs, we all have an internal feedback loop. Like it, at some point, if you ate like hella lot of chocolate, you're going to go, oh, I don't feel so great. And what we, what I think my parents are trying to do it. Many parents try and do is they try and go, well, I'll tell you when you've had enough. And the the problem is, is it kind of switches on the survival switch where the body's like fears that there isn't enough to go around, kind of a primal response. And that's when we end up getting binge eating, emotional eating, where we end up using food to soothe ourselves. And And I think there are a lot of people I know I was a I was a, a diagnosed um, binge eater, and it got to the point where I was binge eating multiple times a day, and I really thought there was something very fundamentally flawed with me. But it wasn't, and it wasn't something that I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life because I got treatment for it. And I think that's a really important thing to know is that when we're creating a shame environment around food, where food feels like it is limited, either we're doing it through portion control or someone's telling us we've had enough, when we feel like there is a, a small amount of food, not enough to go around. This is when we start feeling out of control around food. We face plant into the pantry. You know, it's it, the almond mum thing is like, well, <laughs> you know, the advice to have a handful of almonds, like, doesn't fill anyone up. <laughs> so, you know, you have 10 handfuls of almonds and you're still like, that didn't emotionally and physically satisfy me. And I think this is where nutrition's really led us astray. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of excited about trying to get healthcare professionals to to do better, to teach us health in a new way. I just want to like throw it out there while I'm here having this little rant. Yeah. Um, according to research, 80% of women have some degree of disordered eating. 10% of those people have an eating disorder. And who do you think ends up going and becoming a healthcare professional, particularly one that focuses in on nutrition? Well, people who have a food obsession, which is someone with probably disordered eating, not always, but 
you know, you get a higher ratio of people who have disordered eating who are going into these professions who are determining how the rest of Australia is being told to eat. And I just think that's really important to recognize that um, even if you go to your doctor and your doctor says, well, your BMI says that you're the wrong weight, you know, you're kind of go, well, what's, what's your relationship with food like doctor? Because the current research is showing us that BMI is bullshit and it's no indication of health. So you're really just basing this on, on your weight stigma and your ideas of how someone needs to look. Um, I know for myself, when I was 21, I drove myself to the doctor because I was struggling and I hated myself and I didn't know what to do. And I had binge eating disorder, but he didn't see that because to him, I was too, I was obese. And so an obese person wouldn't have, you know, you know, that's the term he gave me. And he's like, well, you can't have an eating disorder then. And so all he did is he prescribed me a diet that his wife was having success with. And he said, why don't you Try this. Jesus. <laughs> and so like, Man. this is the crazy thing is, is your healthcare professionals are going to have good intentions. Yes. Like your parents, they could want the yeah. best for you, but we are going to come at things with our own histories and background. And we have to be questioning, does this person have a history of disordered eating? Does this person, is this person coming at me with like a fully measured healthy relationship with food? Because when 80% of women have a history of disordered eating, I think we need to be questioning that and, and considering it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's, it's crazy when you start talking to your friends about this stuff and then everyone has their own stories. <laughs> You're like, wow, it is all of us, isn't it? Mm. No one's really special, are they? <laughs> <laughs> We're all individuals. <laughs> oh, I was having dinner with my fat friends the other day and it was insane because, like, I, with me and Cass in our group, I'm the biggest person in the group. And then in this group I was like, oh, beautiful, we can talk really freely about this and I was because I think I was telling Cass and one of our other friends about like when people use me as their designated fat friend and they're like ah I have body issue body image issues in myself and I will feel better talking to someone who is bigger than me and I was talking to some of my like my fat friends and we were talking about like what we've experienced being in our bodies and taking up space and for me like I love taking up space I have this as a personality. I have this fucking haircut. A bit of white wasn't anything to, to, to distract from anything at this point. And I was really lucky. I had a therapist, like, while I was gaining the weight, I gained the weight in my 20s. I'd already, like, formed my sense of self, da 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 And I was talking to my friends, and they're like, we've always been big. We've always been big. And so we try our whole life to be small. And what, no matter what you do, it's the first thing people see about you until you get a really stupid fucking haircut, then they notice the haircut first. <laughs> and it's such an insane thing because what my friend was saying is that she always has the experience of when one of her thinner friends is having a moment in relation to her own, you know, um, eating and disordered eating, whatever, that she's the go-to because everyone feels comfortable talking to her. And she's always like, I hate it so much because I have, such an unhealthy relationship with food and it's super triggering because like 
I've got my own issues, my own things. Like she's in the same, same Weight Watchers as a kid, like the whole thing. And she's like, I'm trying not to hate myself and me having to make you not feel bad about feeling fat when you're like four, five, six sizes smaller than me makes me feel terrible. It's a shit thing to do. Yeah. It's a shitty thing to do. And it's so common because I was saying the same thing to Cass. Like, you know, when someone gains weight, they're immediately like, Zoe, I want to talk to you about weight gain because you're fat and you're fine with it. How are you fine with it? And you're like, nah, that's, I just don't hate myself. And and the world is mad at me for that, apparently. I think everyone would want to know, like, just anyone who who's learned to be okay with themselves, irrespective of size, how, like how it is, it is a radical act to like yourself at any, mm. at any size that you exist in. So, um, I, I, I want, I want your tips. Can you, do you, do you, do you have anything? I don't know. My mom raised, my mama don't raise no bitch. um it's a big big deal how you were raised and how you were taught your your sense of self and your your sense of your relationship with food your relationship with exercise or movement or whatever it is started at a young age it's like well how do we not fuck up our kids and my parents came at it with body neutrality very early on and they were just like and I think possibly they could tell because my mom is a very small person and my dad isn't and I came out looking exactly like my dad um (laughs) And I'm sure they were like very aware that like shit was going to be a bit bit weirder for me, and so they just were like, "Your body is your body, but your brain's fantastic," and that was it from the get go. It was always you know focus on you're smart and you're funny, and it was never like, "Oh, you're beautiful." You're beautiful was never like a compliment that was thrown at. I am, and they you know know it, but <laughs> it wasn't the primary focus. It was always if I did good. It was because of an action that I had chosen to do. Sounds pretty lucky. Sounds pretty like the exception to the rule. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. big old weirdos. <laughs> they raised Zoe two and kids were, and they're both little freaks. We were raised in a town that was founded on an art commune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, we're probably not the best people to talk to about, like, you know, weird parent shit because we went in the opposite direction. I once had to ask my mum to not have so many nudes up in the house when I was a teenager um, <laughs> because my friends had never seen so many nipples. <laughs> my mum once saw a nude that I had up in my room and she said, oh, I'd be horrified if someone took a photo of me from that angle. Was <laughs> <laughs> it of yeah. you? No, it wasn't oh. nude of me. Like was- that's, that's actual art. You're just critiquing. Like <laughs> all art is subjective, but that's just straight up art. Like. <laughs> You don't get to apply your disordered eating to the art. Come on, calm down. <laughs> That's nuts. Well, I guess we'll we'll jump ahead a little bit because this was just so interesting. We got really off topic. But we I do love this question, so I'm going to ask you, what's the weirdest thing you've done in the name of purely being hot? <laughs> the weirdest What's thing? the weirdest thing you've done? I yeah, can't have a razor weird? mark across my head from trying to cut this fringe. So, like, the, the bar is on the ground at some point. <laughs> oh, Oh, to be hot, I, I swap which side of my mouth I chew on in the hopes that it'll make me prettier. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got one. Everyone's got one. Oh, I've done some crazy stuff to try and fit into what I think I'm meant to look like. Is that the question? Yeah, yeah that yeah, counts pretty much. Uh, apart from get, giving myself an eating disorder, that was the most prolific. Oh, she got to crazy girl. Yeah, don't do that. That's definitely <laughs> not recommended. That took up 10 years of my life that I'll never get back. Um, I've done silly things. I now have a rule these days that um, I won't do an aesthetic thing if it impacts on my physical ability to function. I mean, I know that sounds really basic, but the oh, bar was not there as a kid. I was like, okay, I'll try anything. But like, you know, eyelashes. I can't rub my eye. I want to be able to rub my eye. Mm. You're out. Um, or, or fake tan for me. I'm like, no, it like it's gonna it create so much work for myself. I just I physically I, I'm I'm not I'm not that interested in that. Um, even like super long nails where I can't like type and exist with my hands. I'm like, you are limiting my potential. You are stopping <laughs> me from being the person I meant to be. Get out of my way. And, and and this is a huge thing for me where I'm kind of coming into this in my 30s, where a 20 year old me would do all kinds of shits and giggles and uh fun things i've i have burnt my head a few times from um curling irons because i have really straight hair and i was desperate to not have straight hair yeah oh you always want the one you don't yeah you want the one you don't have yeah you do you do don't you you know what actually this is an interesting one i um i got a breast reduction i uh damn yeah that's a big one 
That's a big one. I um, this is so th- I was still like me coming out of my eating disorder days, mm. and I hated how I looked, and I was hypersexualized as a kid because I hit puberty really young, had God. big boobies, and all people could see when they met me with boobs, they'd be like, like, they'd be like, she's nice, but have you seen her boobs? Like, like that was my nickname. But- <laughs> but and, the no. and she's got a great rack not but she's got a great rack of all of my defining characteristics big boobs was not up there i wanted i wanted charismatic or mm. likable or kind and all all yeah. these kinds of things big boobs was just not it and so i got a breast reduction and it made me feel great and i love my boobs the way they are but it was probably one of the most one of those things that i guess was counterculture because you know everyone thinks big boobs are great and they can be for some people. For me, I was like, I, f- I like my boobies smaller like this. They make me feel so good. Should I have waited until after I had an eating disorder like fixed? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I recommend doing that. But because no one knew I had an eating disorder, it's kind of snuck un- under the, the radar a little bit. Um, and there are, you know, there are, there are challenges with doing that. You know, I don't, don't think, I think cosmetic surgery is kind of on the rise and it's this thing that was happening and I was young when I got it done, um, which it was a pretty pretty huge reconstruction to go through yeah. to try and like yourself. Are you happy with it? Yeah, I am happy. I would do it again. <laughs> Good. Oh, thank Good. God. You're just like, no, nah, put them back, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> I miss my big old duties. Yeah, my, that back pain, oh. bring yeah, it around. Man. I'm going to put Neurofit out of business. <laughs> All right. Well, finally, we would just want to ask, what has made being hotter easier this week? Oh, I'm just like, as I get older, I'm a bit obsessed with sleep. I now use Mm. energy as my definer for how I'm feeling, like how much energy I have. is like, that is the most important metric on how I'm going to measure my success and health and pretty much everything. (laughs) So the thing that helps me be hotter is getting really good sleep because it impacts my mood. And for me, as someone with clinical anxiety, regulating my moods, like that's that's my jam. I'm all about that life. So um, I'm hotter for getting to bed earlier and I'm not perfect at it, but um, my son wakes me up at like 6am. So, you know, I don't really have much choice. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any, do you have any tips on how to get a good night's sleep? Cause I can't do it. And I would, I, I'll, I'll I'll try the teas. I'll try the oils. Uh, (laughs) What do you do? My It's just going to bed. It is just going Uh, to bed, Cass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and being bored. Um, I mean, I would put on like a good little meditation if I really need that little boost, but um, I know you're not meant to, you're not meant to fall asleep to meditations, but I, I use it as a crutch. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My mental health walk is kind of an essential component to getting me to sleep better. And it's, it's like, do I need to get, I need to get enough energy out during the day. And I find I'm, I'm actually then tired to go to bed. Cause normally I'm like, it's like 12 PM and I'm like, oh, 12 AM. I'm like, I'm like, do, 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 do. <laughs> let's I do think- all these great adventures. Um, I'm definitely a night owl. So for me, I'm like, I have to get all that energy out during the day. And uh, you've summed up how I feel at midnight. Usually I'll get to 10 M if I get, if I haven't done much that day, or even if I have done much, I'll get to like 10 PM and I start to feel dewy. And I'm like, I gotta do it. I gotta leave the house. I gotta go out. I gotta, t-. and then I don't sleep. So maybe, maybe I need a little mental health walk. So, according to research, men are more likely to be morning people, and women are more likely to be, as you're describing, very creative and energetic at night. Just another way that the system is built for probably how men's circadian rhythms <gasps> work. Ah, they have a 24 hour hormonal cycle. Yeah, they should. Uh, Wild. It's it's all 24 hours. <laughs> Okay. Well, it's fine. That's... It's fine. The society. It's society. Okay. I mean, it, it makes sense. We're we're the moon. We have twenty eight day hormonal cycles, like the moon. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll try and walk more so I can fit into this man's world. <laughs> no. So you can feel at peace with yourself, and I don't know if you like it, you like it. If you don't, trash it. Whatever. <laughs> nah, I love that. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've mentioned before, you're a best-selling author, you're a dietitian, you're a nutritionist. You've got your wonderful podcast, No Wellness Wankery. Where That's else it. can people find you? 
Yeah, I mean, you can guess what that podcast is about, by the way. That's <laughs> being to shreds, the wellness world. Oh. And it's easy. There's so much content. Would you believe it? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I, I really liked, um, you mentioned a bit of it on this pod, but you were talking about the three things to look at if you are considering something that could potentially be a diet, which was, do I want to do this past summer? <laughs> Would I keep doing this over a few years? I've forgotten the second question, but the last question was great. We were like, if this didn't result in weight loss, would I still want to do it? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, I go into this in big detail in my in my book, Your Weight Is Not The Problem, which is aptly named because I felt like my weight was a problem my whole life. And this book is for anyone who feels like their weight is this thing that holds them back. And the book is all about being healthy without getting uh, any silly diet advice, without pursuing weight loss as though it's the most impressive thing you can do when it's not. It's about adopting these healthy habits that don't feel restrictive and controlling, that actually just are there to make your life better, to have more energy and all that good stuff. Um, and so those three questions are very pivotal. And that last question, would I do this if I didn't lose weight, is fundamental so often we do things simply because it's going to help us lose weight. And then when I don't, we don't lose weight, we give up that habit. We're like, what's the point in doing that? Yeah. There are so much beautiful, beautiful, beautiful points of doing it like the yin yoga. It is very purposeful to be doing. Um, but I would love you to go check out that book. Your weight is not the problem. You can you can order it um, from the tenth of Jan, and Ooh. yeah, it's coming out. And then I, and then of course I've got um, find me on Instagram. I'm nude underscore nutritionist. There's no nude pics. And, you know, I'm sorry about that. That's a- <laughs> false advertising. Don't <laughs> check me out. I, I uh, yeah, I share a whole bunch of stuff. I share recipes and stuff, and um, you know, simple things that don't take a million ingredients. And you don't have to sell your kidney to be able to afford you know the things I'm trying to make. Uh, I, I like that. You know, I love like- that. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. Everyone go check out No Wellness Wankery. It is wonderful. Thanks for having me. So nice to be on the podcast. It was great having you on. Being hot is hard, isn't it? It is. It is. Oh, we, yeah. oh, we put in a lot of effort. Hey, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I need to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go get our beauty sleep, everyone. Stay hot. Stay hard. Stay hot. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 